Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Kingston, good morning and thanks for being with us again. Good morning, PJ. Pleasure. Now, what is the story, Kingston? Because the, 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 the report in the Lancet would appear to tell us that, you know, people who are lucky enough to have good, robust health in general and have been fully vaccinated don't really need a booster. Would you agree with that? I, I would, actually. I think that that article was mi- misrepresented a lot in the media. They, 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 if you read the article carefully, what the people are writing, and two of them were ex-FDA officials, and others were eminent scientists throughout the United States. And the U.S. has taken the view that they're going to boost you know, m- most of the population, um, which is a bit at variance with the rest of the world. Um, the U.K. have decided over 50s, and of course Ireland has decided only over 80s and o- over 65s in, in long-term residential care. I think, you know, the, the, somewhere in between the UK and Ireland, I think my personal view would be it should be. I don't think healthy under six-year-olds, 60-year-olds rather, right now need a booster. Um, you know, people that have, that have an adequate immune response and responded well to the vaccine are going to be protected against severe disease, even against the Delta variant. They mightn't be protected against mild disease, and there are some vaccine breakthroughs. And, you know, the latest data we have suggests that about 20% of all the cases we have daily are as a result of vaccine breakthroughs, but a lot of those don't get severe disease. So the reason we want to boost is to stop those vaccine breakthroughs. And they tend to occur in people that haven't responded so well to the vaccine. So people that don't respond so well are the older people where the immune system is weakening a bit as you age. People with, as you said, with immunosuppressive, um, um, you know, associated with a disease or associated with a treatment for a disease. So these people definitely do need to be boosted. and It would be really advantageous for them to get a third immunization. Now, we read and we heard a lot during the summer months that, that Pfizer in particular was aware of what it would need to do to the vaccine to, if, if you like, um, take on Delta. Has yeah. that happened? Because we, are we still giving out what you might call the original vaccine or has any of them been upgraded yet to take on Delta? Well, that's a very good point. The answer is that all the vaccines that have been administered are the same as the original vaccine. The companies, including Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca, and indeed Johnson Johnson, are all working on modified versions of the vaccine. But these have to be tested Mm -hmm. and proved by the regulatory agency, and that does take some time. They don't have to go to the same level of stringent, huge phase three tests that originally went through, because there's just a slight variation on the original vaccine. But nevertheless, they have to be shown to be safe before they're going to be approved again. So right 
at now Pfizer and Moderna, for example, what they've done, is they, they've done small phase three trials with the original vaccine where they've given a third dose to people that already got two doses of the same vaccine. And they showed in those trials that they significantly boosted the antibody responses. These are the, the molecules that protect us from the infection. So three to tenfold higher in people who got, got the third dose. And, and, and that means that you know, some of the vaccines are struggling to cope with the Delta variant mm. and people that don't respond as well. But if you give those a booster, you make it a much better chance that they will be protected because okay. the there's no doubt that the vaccines are, are helping with, with the Delta variant. Are, are you saying to me there that, again, come back to someone who's in good, robust general health anyway and has a fairly well-functioning immune system in normal times, if they're fully vaccinated, their system can handle Delta? Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm saying that some of these do get infected and, yes. um, you know, uh, uh, th- there are young people who, who have been fully vaccinated who are getting infected. By and large, these people don't end up in hospital and that's good news, whereas, the, you know, in the past, the older ones might have ended up in hospital. Um, so it does protect against severe disease and it may not protect against mild disease in everybody. In fact, the efficacy is probably down around, you know, 80-something percent against even... even um, um, severe disease mm-hmm. with the, with the Pfizer and, and lower than that with the, with the AstraZeneca, but against against um, hospitalisation, the efficacy is still over ninety percent. Okay. But there still will be a small number, yeah. especially the older population that will have got um, two doses of the vaccine, who may um, get infected and who may end up in hospital. And that's the reason why we need to use the boosters to stop that. In the UK, as you mentioned, it's going to be everybody uh, over fifty. But I read that. Depending on what you're getting, you you get a full dose of Pfizer, but a small dose of Moderna. What's that about? Okay, so in the original um, um, vaccines that were put on the market from Moderna, the dose was 100 micrograms. That's a you know a measure of the amount of mRNA that was in the vaccine. Whereas for the the Pfizer vaccine was 30 micrograms, so about threefold less in the Pfizer vaccine. And the reason for that is sort of you know it wasn't it wasn't it was based on what the companies had done in the early trials. They tested several doses and they hit on a dose which they thought was going to be the most effective. And it's a balance between reactogenicity or side effects versus efficacy in protecting against infections. You don't want to have the dose too high or you get more side effects and you don't want it too low or you get less effect in terms of protection. So Pfizer hit on on 30 and Moderna hit on 100. And now what what Moderna have done, they've the other trials they've shown that even 50, which is a half the original dose, mm. is just as effective. So that's why they've gone for the lower dose for the booster, which is still higher than the Pfizer um, dose, which is now 50 versus 30. So I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's prudent. And, and very often when you boost a response, you don't need a strong uh, vaccine as when you're giving the primary dose. So it all makes scientific sense. Because effectively you're just reminding the immune system, hello, just reminding you. Exactly, and you're boosting those those T right. cells and B cells that do the protection, and smaller doses of the vaccine can do it as effectively as a larger dose. But yeah. for the primary dose, you've, you know, the bigger the dose, the better. Yeah. In in earlier conversations with us on the opinion line, Professor, you you told me that you alone in your own inbox were seeing dozens and dozens of different pieces of research every day, which left gave you great confidence that science was winning this race, and everything that de- that that COVID did, science was working to to counteract that. Is the research still at that high level? 
Absolutely. I mean, the, the amount of papers that are coming out on COVID-19 in general, whether it be in vaccines or in, in terms of treating the disease, is just tremendous. Um, and the ways of treat people who are unfortunate enough to end up in hospital and get severe disease now, the treatment for those is much, much more um, you know, honed and, and, and the, the drugs that they're using. It's simple drugs like steroids mm. and antithrombotic drugs that are turning out to be very effective. And even some of the drugs that were used to treat arthritis and mm. other autoimmune diseases have been tested. Some of them have worked reasonably well, but others not so well. So the treatment for the disease has actually improved as well as, the, as, the, as, of course, the vaccine. And the vaccine has been the huge success story. I mean, it's unimaginable that in 18 months we would effectively have controlled this pandemic through vaccination. I mean, it is an extraordinary achievement in science. Mm-hmm. When you got when you found yourself in hospital in the early days of this pandemic, the virus could ravage your body and do untold damage. And we all know of someone who unfortunately passed away, but and not because of the virus itself, because of the damage the virus did to their body. We're much more effective now at preventing that damage, are we? Well, I mean, one of the big, big issues that hasn't really been resolved yet is this long COVID, which yeah. is the, um, the sort of the remnants of the infection that people have. And, it's, you know, the older people, it's, it's pre- it can be pretty severe, very severe, and it can last for well over a year. Um, and in younger people, it's milder, but it can still be there. A small proportion, even, even um, you know, uh, children the age of 4 to, to 12 can have a small proportion that can, can have symptoms can persist for more than two months. So it is a debilitating disease, and it's not something that you really want to get, no matter what age you are and no matter how healthy you are. Are we any closer to a vaccine for children then? Yeah, I mean, the vaccines are being tested right now. The same vaccines that are used in adults have been tested in the younger children. It's obviously been given to the 12-plus-year-olds, but it's, it's also been tested in, in, in the 5- to 12-year-olds. And it's highly effective, it seems, in terms of inducing antibodies. We don't know yet the efficacy in terms of protection yeah, against disease, but it's very likely to work very effectively in that age group. Because I guess, realistically, it's, it's where, where, where one place that it is rampant at the moment, Professor, is in the schools, and people Absolutely. are worried about that, you know? If if you look at the numbers of cases um, right now in the Irish uh, system, the last two weeks have been three and a half thousand cases amongst the five to twelve-year-olds. That's the highest number in any age group. Around accounts for around eighteen percent of all the cases. So that number, that percentage, is going to increase as the other populations are vaccinated. So you'll see the the dominant um, numbers of cases will be in the, the five to twelve-year-olds in a few weeks' time. And is it? Again, you mentioned long COVID. Is it dismissive to say, well, children don't get sick, so that's okay? It is dismissive, I'm afraid. Um, Some children get quite sick, um, a small proportion. And then a big UK study done recently showed that 2% of children um, have symptoms that persist for more than two months that get infected. And 4% have symptoms that persist for more than one month. And a lot of them are out of school, of course. And then their education is affected as a result. So, so you know, it, it, it's not a trivial disease yes. even in, in those in, in, in those in that, in that age group. Question is coming from a, a listener, Professor, on boosters, and it's a good one. If you got AstraZeneca or if you got Johnson and Johnson, uh, what's the story with a booster? W- will you get a Pfizer or a Moderna? <laughs> you would get an mRNA vaccine of Pfizer or Moderna. Um, after some reluctance, it has to be said, um, and people like myself, you know, making noise in the media, um, that, you know, the need to boost with mRNA vaccines, the NIAC have decided that 
everybody will be boosted with um, an mRNA vaccine regardless, eventually if they're going to get a booster, regardless of whether it was a, an um, mRNA or a virus vectored vaccine that they got on the first round of immunization. And Which is good news because of the, the boosting effect and that the studies in the UK and other places have shown that the boosting effect of the mRNA on top of the adenovirus vector really worked very effectively. Yeah, heterologous heterologous vaccination. Yes. vaccination. Yeah. I, I, I will eventually get my head around that word. I've been trying, <laughs> for, trying it for months. Initially there was talk that we might have to, for vulnerable people, work this into the annual flu jab for many years going forward. What's the thinking on that now? Yeah, I think that's quite likely. I mean, you know, if you look at flu, I mean, flu varies each year and we need an updated vaccine each year to take care of the latest variant. I think um, it's very likely that COVID-19 will be the same. We will probably roll it in with the, you'll see it rolled in probably with the with the annual flu vaccination. Hopefully, you know, a year from now, we won't be having this conversation because yes. COVID-19 will be part of the sort of the annual seasonal um, infection that we worry about and we just have a vaccine that'll deal with it that's the 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 principle of endemic isn't it yeah yeah. And, and, you know, it'll just become um, a, a disease that is another one that we, you know, on the list of, of diseases. But the really good thing is it's one of those diseases, unlike something like HIV or hepatitis C, where we don't have vaccines and are still an issue, yeah. um, especially HIV. Um, you know, we, we have now um, a, a virus that hopefully, you know, once, once everybody that is eligible for vaccination gets vaccinated, it, it'll be under control. And then the developing world has to be vaccinated, and that's the next big step to, to eliminate it, not just in Ireland and yes. Europe, but globally. And, and the WHO is very strong on that at the moment. You know, there's, it's kind of saying, look, forget your boosters, except for the absolutely vulnerable. Get the whole world vaccinated rather than boosting those in rich countries. Yeah, I mean, there's a very good case for that. Um, I think, personally, I think that the, you know, the resources need to be given to countries like India. India has a fantastic biotech industry, pharma industry. Industry, and they can make billions of doses of vaccines if, if given the resources. So I think that's what needs to happen. They need to be resourced to make, and, and, and China can do it as well, and, and even in Brazil. Mm. These countries need to be resourced to make loads did, of doses. Did, did, of I, did I read somewhere in the, in the, in the summer, uh, Professor, that actually India's got one of the biggest industries in the world for production of vaccine doses they do wow. the company there's two there's two major companies Bharat Biotech and the Serum Institute of India which have a massive capacity and they've even bought into the, recently into the into the European market they've, they've they've acquired vaccine manufacturing sites in Europe with a view to getting into the European market so they're that far advanced yeah. I mean people think that India is a is a backward country in terms of the biotech it certainly is not important and areas of it are very advanced and they have really got the, the wherewithal and the technology to to make vaccines very effectively two more brief questions for you before i let you go first of all the horror story and i guess you could watch enough documentaries and enough movies the horror the horror prospect of a mutation that is vaccine proof and much more dangerous yeah. Is that still out there? It is, unfortunately. There's a variant called the Mu variant, which is in now in 44 countries, including Ireland. Small numbers here. But in, in South America, it's spreading rapidly. In Colombia, it accounts for over 40% of all the cases. This variant um, 
is a version of uh, a further version of the Brazilian and similar to the South African variant. And if people remember, they may not, that when the trials were done in South Africa against where the South African variant, which is now called the beta variant, was um, circulating, that the AstraZeneca vaccine only had 10% efficacy against that variant. And South Africa stopped using the AstraZeneca vaccine as a result. So that 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 variant, the mu variant, is a is a, is a, a more insidious version of the South African and Brazilian variants. So it it is really going to be more tricky for the vaccine to deal with than the Delta variant. Now the good news is it's not as transmissible as the Delta, and that mm. that leads us to suggest that it won't push out the Delta variant. Okay. That the Delta variant will still dominate. Okay. And lastly, this time this time last year, uh, mid September last year, Neffet were very worried about the situation that was developing with rising case numbers and people like you and I when we're having conversations like this we're very worried about the winter ahead I think we can feel a lot safer and sleep a lot sounder in our beds now Professor I think so, yeah. I mean, look, the, the vaccines have been tremendously effective. There are still some unfortunate people who have been double vaccinated, who, who've got infected, but by and large, most of those will not end up in hospital. Um, the others that are not vaccinated are taking a serious risk about not being vaccinated because you're putting yourself at risk of getting the infection and ending up in hospital. So that's for the older cohort that decided not to get vaccinated, and indeed the younger as well. So, so you know, my advice to everybody is go out and get vaccinated. Um, and for the younger cohorts, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the uptake will be like finally in the in the secondary schools. Hopefully that'll be high. It's looking very good at the moment. I mean, we're heading for 90% of the entire population over 12 vaccinated. This is one of the best in the world. So Ireland has really done a fantastic job, both the health authorities and the public, in terms of buying into the vaccine because they see the benefit of it. And it is clear to everybody that the vaccine is the solution, along with, of course, the traditional methods of social distancing, wearing masks, etc. Mm. But, but if it wasn't for the vaccine, we would not be where we are now in terms of looking forward to a sort of a normal life again. All right. Listen, thanks as always for being with us on the Opinion Line. Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity College, Kingston Mills. Thank you, Kingston. Always a pleasure to have you on the programme. Quartz 96 FM.